Hello and welcome to another edition of the From the Booth podcast. I'm Evan Eichen. He's Cody Clark. Cody, the last time we talked, we were breaking down the NCAA tournament. Little did we know that about seven hours after we went off air, the entire sports world uh, would uh, come to a screeching halt like later on that day. Yeah, no, it was crazy. I mean, to because I I post, you know, we posted the episode, and then it's like, oh well, it didn't take long for that to become uh, for that to become obsolete. But yeah, with the the coronavirus stuff, the COVID nineteen stuff, it uh, it snowballed pretty quickly after we recorded the uh, podcast, and everyone was was gearing up and and getting ready for March Madness. Yeah, we went from. Well, next time we see you, we're going to break down the field of 68 to about six and a half, seven hours later to, well, uh, everything's canceled. So um, (laughs) (laughs) what are we going to what are we going to do now? Uh, So how is quarantine life treating you? Oh, it's fine. I'm not I'm not all the way holed up in the house yet. Uh, Our athletic department is still open. So we're rotating through just to cover the office and man phones and things. So we haven't been told to. uh, you know, given any sort of mandatory stay home yet. So that's, uh, so, so it's, uh, it's all good. Just trying to stay inside when I can stay away from people and wash, uh, wash hands and clean surfaces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the only time I leave my house is to go to work. Like if I don't have to go to work, I stay in my house. It's actually, uh, it's a bit jarring to just not go outside and like do something. It's like you, yeah, people are just only leaving their houses to go to work. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's it's crazy. Restaurants now in town are either drive through only where they won't even let people come in the building. Or there was a, at least one place. I can't remember which one that just stopped accepting cash. Like it's either you either pay with credit or debit card and that's it. Like they won't accept cash. Interesting. Yeah, uh, it's been a it's been a wild uh, last week, you know, a week in like four or five days, like ever since this whole thing happened. But we have something to talk about because even though all of the games got shut down, NFL free agency did not get shut down. And now that we've had a few days to sort of digest everything, let's let's talk about the big moves that happened. The Houston Texans traded away DeAndre Hopkins for. Really, pretty much nothing if you think about it. Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer is a sentence that I have said out loud probably about two dozen times since it happened because I still <laughs> it still just doesn't feel right that it happened. Uh, Stephon Diggs got traded to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the L.A. Rams let go of Todd Gurley. So as we just look at the top moves that have happened in the last four to five days since free agency became available, what sticks out? I mean, I think the the Tom Brady to the Bucks, obviously for two years, sixty million, uh, thirty thirty million dollars a year for Tom Brady uh, at age forty two. Now I think Tampa is a is a great fit in terms of you have Bruce Arians as a head coach who has a ton of experience working with quarterbacks who are uh, a little bit older and just a ton of experience in working with quarterbacks in general. You look at the wide receivers that they have in terms of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, you could argue that those two guys, the way that they have performed over the last couple of years, you could argue that those are two of the top, you know, maybe 15 wideouts in the league, uh, maybe even top, you know, 13 or 12. And Tampa has those two guys. So I think all of that is going to be great for Tom Brady. I think the offensive line uh, is something that they need to shore up, but maybe, you know, with, uh, with a signing and a draft pick, you know, they can probably do that. Uh, the defense, I think he's walking into a pretty decent situation in terms of the defense is young, but if you look at a lot of the splits Tampa had, I think it was over the past seven weeks of the season, the last seven games was a chart that I was looking at and they really, they really took that next step. They've got that. They've got Shaq Barrett on the outside. Uh, so, I think Tom is walking into a pretty good situation with the Buccaneers. You look at where Tampa was. I thought even if they had Jameis next year, they would have a chance to um, be a wild card team in the NFC because you look at it and they had a ton of seven or, or, or of losses that were within seven or eight points. 
And Evan, you you know, we've seen over the years those numbers swap from year to year. So, you know, they they lost a lot of those games this year. A lot of times the numbers point to some of those trends turning around. And if that would have happened, they could be a, a wild card team, and that's with Jameis Winston turning the ball over like 30 times a year. So now you're get, you're getting a guy who doesn't push the ball down the field as much as Winston, but Tom Brady is not going to throw 30 interceptions. And so you you factor in the offensive weapons, the improved defense, the head coach, and you add a quarterback who, yes, he's 42 years old, but he's automatically going to put you in a better chance because he's not going to throw 30 interceptions. Well, especially they could be a they could become a wild card this year because also what's happened in between the last time we talked and today, the CBA got approved, which means that we're going to be having 17 game regular seasons and the playoff fields has been expanded. So now seven teams from each conference gets in. So there's going to be an extra wild card spot. So Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions last year. Tom Brady threw from 2016 to 2019, the last four years of his career, he threw 28 combined. <laughs> wow. 29, excuse me. He threw 29 interceptions combined from 2016 to 2019. That's four years. So Tom Brady's not going to turn the ball over. Uh, just looking at DVOA for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they brought in Todd Bowles as their new defensive coordinator last year. And from a DVOA standpoint, in 2018, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensively, their DVOA was dead last, 32nd in the league. Last year, they were fifth. I mean, there aren't a lot of teams that you can go from the worst defense in the league to top five in one year. Uh, Shaq Barrett was a tremendous value signing, considering that he was he was a bit player in Denver. He was stuck behind Von Miller didn't really get a lot of opportunity to play. Uh, he goes to Tampa Bay, lights the league on fire, and you know he, now he's back in Tampa. They brought Jason Pierre-Paul back. You know, like the Vernon Hargraves, the first-round corner from a few years ago, got let go, but you know they can address that in the draft, especially from a division standpoint where a lot of the NFC South is in flux. I mean, Dr- Drew Brees is coming back, but he's 41, so we don't really know what we're going to get. The Carolina Panthers are starting over with Teddy Bridgewater, and the Atlanta Falcons still have Matt Ryan, and you wonder, is there still a little bit of that 2016 Matt Ryan left in him? You know, the the NFC and AFC South are like the divisions where it's like, yeah, you can just go year from year and you have no idea what you're going to get. Yeah, no, and that's what I think, that's why I think Brady walking into the situation he has in Tampa, he's in a good spot to take that team to the playoffs because Atlanta is, is trying to figure things out because Carolina is rebuilding uh, and going with Bridgewater. So yeah, I mean, they have a real chance. It's going to be fun to, uh, it's going to be fun to watch this team play because they have a ton of weapons. And in that division, it, sure feels like to me they're the second best team in that division behind the saints so you look at it and you uh you you have to like their you have to like their chances well the tampa bay buccaneers they're also going to be getting new uniforms so we won't have to get so we won't be forced to watch tom brady wear those alarm clock uniforms (laughs) the the, did you see the the leaked did you like apparently there was a, a that they leaked the uniforms. I don't know if it's legit or not, but it looks like they're just going back to the look that they had during like the early two thousands, John Gruden era. Yeah. They've gotten rid of the digital alarm clock looking numbers and back to the, which, and I liked those jerseys. So I'm, I'm a fan of it. Tom will, uh, Tom, Tom will, Tom will look good in those. Yeah. It looks like they're going back to like the early two thousands uniforms that they wore when, uh, when they had Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Gruden, you know that, which is, which is a welcome sight because Tampa Bay has been. It's like you know the uniform. I, I get what they were trying to do, but I felt like they just tried to do a little bit too much with the uniforms. Well, a lot. I mean, you have a lot of a lot of teams. I think you know with all the crazy combos and things you can do are, are trying to do too much. But I, I it, it'll be a good look back to the back to what they were what they had when uh, they went they made the Super Bowl. From a uniform t- standpoint, I am a total minimalist. Like the way things looked in like the 80s and 90s, where it's like cool, big numbers, 
okay, big numbers, stripe. Okay, boom, you're done. Like that's, I am, <laughs> I, I am a, I am a minimalist when it comes to uniforms. I don't want crazy piping and color schemes, where it's like, oh, just, oh, like the way the New York Giants look. Okay, the New York Giants uniform is perfect. It's just stripes on the, okay, stripes on the sleeve, big numbers. Okay, you're done. Like that's that, that's really all I need. Uh, looking at the other free agent moves, two big-time wide receivers were on the move. DeAndre Hopkins got traded for David Johnson, a running back who was benched midseason for a guy the Miami Dolphins didn't want and Kenyon Drake. He, he was injured. He'd fallen out of favor in the coaching staff. And meanwhile, the, the Houston Texans traded away probably it's either between him or Michael Thomas for the best wide receiver in the league to the Arizona Cardinals for a mid-round pick and David Johnson I have been spending the last few days trying to come up with a reason to somewhat defend this and I, I'm struggling I, I can't think of a, a football like from a purely football standpoint why this is a good deal for Houston I, I've tried and I just can't do it yeah, no. From a football standpoint, I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. I mean, you do you you bring in a running back in David Johnson who, when healthy, will help you. But you also and you also get a second and a fourth round pick. But it just, yeah, I don't I don't quite understand it. I mean, anytime you have the I would say second best wide receiver, I think Michael Thomas has the uh, number one. But I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is not too far behind. But anyway. You know, one of the top two wide receivers, granted, whenever you trade those guys, you're never going to get back equal value, but uh, or, you know, sometimes anywhere close. But it just sounds like the Texans, you know, there were there seemed to be some rifts between Hopkins and Bill O'Brien. And it, I guess it just wasn't working. And so they moved on. But it, it's impossible to, to look at the trade. And for me, anyway, to look at this trade and go, OK, you know, Houston, you got better, you know, you, you, you let one of the premier wide receivers in the league walk out the door and didn't get a ton back for him. If David Johnson can get healthy, then we'll look at this and go, okay, it wasn't that bad. But if Johnson continues to struggle with his health, uh, at 28 years old, that, uh, we're going to look back in this and be like, what in the heck were they doing? I love the move for the Cardinals. I think they needed to make a splash. I think there was some pressure on Steve Kime. And one, he gets rid of David Johnson's salary number. Uh, and you you know make sure you, you have Kenyon Drake in place. And then you bring in DeAndre Hopkins alongside uh, a guy like Larry Fitzgerald and a guy like Christian Kirk. Now all of a sudden you have a legitimate number one. Kirk was your number one wide receiver. He can now play kind of your, your secondary guy. And he's an over-the-top threat. Larry Fitzgerald underneath as well. Uh, if you're Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, you're in that quarterback room. You're sitting there. You're sitting there licking your chops at adding DeAndre Hopkins and what this Cardinals offense could do. Especially when that Cardinals offense, for the better part of the last four to five years, has really just been the Larry Fitzgerald show. Like there hasn't really been a lot around him. Uh, I have a okay. A couple questions. One, I have to know who called first. Did did Houston call Arizona first and say, "Hey, we're looking to move DeAndre Hopkins. Can we have David Johnson?" And then at that point, did like Steve Kime call Cliff Kingsbury? It's like, "Hey, they just offered us DeAndre Hopkins for like, I, is this, is this a joke? Like, what, what's ha <laughs> like what's happening right now?" I, I have to know who called first, and I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm gonna pump the brakes a little bit on on Arizona from a on paper standpoint because remember this time last year the Cleveland Browns got Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham and everybody was like shut it down the Browns are going to win the north this team's going to be unstoppable and it just didn't work out that way it, it helps from a if you're going to develop a young quarterback and we'll get to this when we talk about Josh Allen in a minute when you have a young quarterback like Kyler Murray what is the most important thing to do and that is get him weapons and, and get him weapons while he's still on that relatively cheap rookie contract. And getting DeAndre Hopkins is a lot more helpful to that team and Kyler Murray and his development than not having DeAndre Hopkins. 
Oh, 100%. I mean, you add you add a guy like that, one of the best route runners uh, in the NFL. And I like I said, now now with Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, that's a, that's a, a bona fide wide receiver group. Not that Fitzgerald and Kirk weren't. Christian Kirk was, but Larry Fitzgerald's getting older, and he was really your 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 go-to guy with Kirk on a lot of the stuff over the top. Now you have Hopkins, and so that's going to open things up for those other guys. And you ran the ball well when you brought in Kenyon Drake, so now you're able to keep him. So I like the move for the Cardinals a lot. I mean, I'm not ready. You know, the Cardinals have still have plenty of other things that they need to shore up. I'm not ready to write them into the playoffs. But I think it's a good move, as you mentioned, a great point, adding a guy while your quarterback is on a rookie deal to say, hey, you know, this is going to be a guy that's going to help Kyler Murray grow. For the Texans, you know, it seemed like I saw reports where Hopkins was going to be traded anyway. I guess the relationship had soured in Houston, but really hard to say that the Texans got better. And losing a guy like DeAndre Hopkins is going to hurt Deshaun Watson and company. So we'll see what happens in Houston. But, uh, I it's going to be tough sledding for those guys. Well, the one thing that you should do if you're Arizona is, well, having Kyler Murray to throw to Hopkins and Fitzgerald and all them is great, but if he's running for his life and has no time to throw, then that's a moot point. We saw that in Cleveland. Yes, Baker Mayfield had Odell Beckham, Driver Landry, David Njoku, and all those guys, but he had no time. He was running for his life. All, he was running for his life all year. Like, get Kyler Murray an offensive line and let that guy work his magic. Do I think that they're going to be next year's 49ers? Probably not. But I wouldn't be surprised if you look up and like, oh, they're eight and eight, nine and seven. I was like, huh? How did Arizona get that good so quick? Like, it could happen. I, I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to go from the 49ers where it's like, oh, we're going to have a top five pick to go into the Super Bowl. Could they make noise towards, like, the bottom half of the playoff seat? Yeah, I think they could. Oh, yeah. I mean, you add a guy like that, and when, when you add you add, a, you add a, a, a top two wide receiver in the NFL to any team, I mean, you're going to make a big jump, and it's going to be a big jump for the Cardinals. Uh, another team that traded for a wide receiver was the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Buffalo Bills got Stephon Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings, who – didn't seem to be too happy. Like the signs were there toward uh, the, the signs were there toward the season, especially from uh, I think it was what game was it where he threw the helmet on the sideline and wouldn't talk any que- and wouldn't take any questions. That was earlier in the year. So the Buffalo Bills gave up their first round pick along with fifth and sixth rounders this year, a 2021 fourth round pick to get Diggs and a 2020 seventh rounder. This is an aggressive move for, this is the kind of move that you make if you are the Buffalo Bills. Okay, Tom Brady's gone, now's our chance to win this division. Because now that he's gone, a lot of people are penciling in, well, this is Buffalo's division to lose because Miami, even though they've made a lot of moves in free agency, they're still very early into their rebuild. They're very early into their rebuild, so we don't know what this team's going to look like. And the Jets... Like, I could live to be 100, and I don't know how the hell the Jets won seven games last year. But, <laughs> like, like, you have no idea what you're getting with the Jets. And it's way too early to know what's going on with Miami, even though they brought in guys like Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noy and really important free agent guys. This division is Buffalo's to lose, and Stefan Diggs is going to make Josh Allen and company very happy. Yeah, I think it's a good ad, but I like the deal much more for minnesota because you get a first a fourth a fifth and a sixth rounder for a guy that didn't want to be playing on your football team so i think they did impeccably well did the vikings yes you lose you you lose that big time wide receiver but he didn't want to be there that was pretty evident by a lot of the uh antics uh not wanting to you know make it work with cousins and and what coach uh mike zimmer and company were doing on offense so you get four picks back in, including a first-rounder for that guy. That's a great move. I like it for Buffalo, but I'm really fascinated to watch it unfold in Buffalo because you add digs to John Brown and Cole Beasley. That you know really rounds out their, their wide receiving group. But also, 
Diggs is going to be very frustrated because he doesn't have a ridiculously accurate Kirk Cousins throwing to him. He has Josh Allen throwing to him. And there will be a lot of big plays. Buffalo did not have a ton of them. Uh, and Diggs is going to help with that in terms of, you know, plays 30 and 40 yards down the field. But he's no longer, you know, catching passes from a, a, a 60 some odd, almost 70 percent passer. You're catching passes from Josh Allen, who has been erratic, to say the least. So adding him no doubt makes you better. But I'm curious to watch it unfold with Diggs. He wasn't happy, you know, kind of falling out of favor in Minnesota. He'll be a feature guy in Buffalo, but there will be times that Allen won't get him the football that I'm sure will frustrate him. So maybe some of those same things manifest in Buffalo. It's going to be uh, interesting to watch it play out. If you were to look at things in a vacuum, just from a who's going to be more successful in year one with their new teams, are you taking Hopkins in Arizona or Diggs in Buffalo? Who's more successful year one? Okay, so individually... If we're looking individually, Hopkins is going to have the better year. But the better situation is obviously Buffalo because they're a better football team with one of the top couple of defenses in the league. So I think Hopkins, out of the two, Hopkins will have better numbers and we'll see a, a, a rebound of the Cardinals. But, you know, there's no question that Buffalo's roster up and down is better. So, you know, I, I would take Buffalo to go farther as a team. But DeAndre Hopkins is, I think, easily going to have – uh, continue to have the numbers that he put up in Houston. Well, Josh Allen was only completing 59% of his passes last year, while Kyler Murray was completing 64%. Like just from a who's more accurate and who has a better shot, who has a better chance of getting me the ball perspective, the correct answer is Kyler Murray. He's he's more accurate. He's I mean they're both mobile. They can both move, but just from a if I have 10 chances to get this ball, if I have 10 chances to catch a ball, who's going to get me more opportunities to catch those 10 passes? It's Kyler Murray. Uh, I think in a vacuum, uh, Hopkins is going to be more successful simply just because, you know, they still got Larry Fitzgerald on the other side, and, you know, people are going to want to cover Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. Meanwhile... John Brown and Cole Beasley, they're nice players, but nobody's putting two, nobody's double teaming or keying on Cole Beasley. Right. Yeah. And so, but I mean, but you know, those things are going to go open up for those guys because now you really have two guys that can blow it open over the top in Diggs and John Brown. So that's going to give Beasley a lot of room to work. Both wide receiving cores are very solid. We just obviously know that Buffalo's defense and just from you know from from one to fifty three that roster is is so much better. So Buffalo will go farther as a team. You know they'll be set up to to surpass those ten wins, eleven wins last year. But you know Hopkins, I think, will put together the better season. Well, we'll have to see. But if I had to pick between the two, I would say Hopkins has a better individual season. Will the team have a better season than Buffalo? Eh, probably not. Uh, let's look at some of the quarterback moves that got made. Your team, the Indianapolis Colts, have brought in Phillip Rivers for one year, $25 million. Teddy Bridgewater leaves New Orleans to go to the division rival in Carolina. Uh, Jameis Winston penned a goodbye letter to Tampa Bay. We don't know where he's going to go. Nick Foles was traded to the Chicago Bears. So if you look at the non-Brady quarterback moves, what... What has like the most intrigue and excitement for you of the non-Brady quarterback moves? Oh, I think for me it's Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he first of all he got paid at three years, sixty-three million. But I, I think that there's a lot of a lot of promise there with Matt Rule and the Panthers bringing in Joe Brady. Uh, and I like the I like where they're at in terms of. You bring in Teddy Bridgewater, add him to a Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you've had a couple of young wide receivers step up very nicely in Carolina in terms of Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. So I'm a big fan of adding Bridgewater. Uh, I, you know, I think with those two young wide receivers, you have uh, a Christian McCaffrey that can carry the load. That's a good. Uh, it's a good signing for the Panthers. Cam Newton. You know, just the uncertainty with the injuries, uh, especially to that foot, you just you just don't know what you're going to get. If Cam Newton is healthy, 
I still think he can play at a very high level. But with some of that uncertainty with those injuries, uh, they went out and added Bridgewater. And I like that move the best out of this group because with what Carolina has in place on offense and just the new coaching staff, they are starting a rebuild with a, a very solid young quarterback that's not crazy explosive. But again, Teddy Bridgewater has a lot of those Tom Brady qualities in terms of he's not going to lose you the football game. He's an accurate passer. He's athletic in the pocket. And he's not going to turn the ball over, which when you have a guy like McCaffrey and that some of those guys on offense, that's what you want. You know, you just do not don't throw interceptions. Don't turn the ball over. So I really like Carolina adding Teddy Bridgewater. I like that move too, simply because we know, like when Tennessee, when Tennessee, when Teddy, when Teddy was given the reins of the New Orleans Saints, when when Drew Brees went down, everybody was saying, "Well, if this team could go 500, like they're in great shape. Like if this team can go 500 in the games without Drew Brees, they went five and zero. Like nobody thought that team was going to go five and zero without Drew Brees, and Teddy Bridgewater came in." I mean, he didn't light the world on fire because that's not really what he does. But he did enough to go five and zero with the team, keep keep New Orleans well into the playoff picture. And when you bring in Matt Rule, who's gonna who wants to get his guy and he wants to start building his own structure, and you bring in a guy like Joe Brady, who worked with Teddy in the past last season in New Orleans, so there's familiarity there. Like. I'm excited about that too, but the one thing that has really kind of made my ears perked up was the Chicago was the Bears getting Nick Foles. I I I had a feeling that his Jacksonville days were numbered, especially when he was healthy. They preferred to play Minshew over him. That was kind of the first sign that it wasn't going to end well in 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 Jacksonville. But this makes a lot of sense if you're the Bears. Uh, Mitch Trubisky looked erratic at times there were times where he looked like the number two overall pick and there were other times where you looked at him like what is this guy doing and nick Foles is the kind of guy that if things are going south and you need to plug a guy in he's the one guy that if you could have this one person to please save our season he is the guy um so th- that made my ears perk up when they when the Bears traded for him. Like, hmm, does this mean that this is the end of Mitch Trubisky, or is this meant to be like a light of fire under him? Because we all kind of knew like they weren't gonna bench him for Chase Daniel. Like, we, like we knew that wasn't gonna happen. So is it more likely that the, that this is a a changing of the guard and Nick Foles is gonna be starting for the Bears, or is this more of a hey we need to light a fire under this guy to see what we, to see what we can get out of him? I mean, you, you're trying to light a fire, but this is 100% a changing of the guard. You're not bringing, you don't bring in Nick Foles on the money that he's making. Uh, now Chicago's restructured that deal, but still, you don't bring him in on the money he's making just to, you know, try to, you know, try to light a fire under Mitch or have a, a, a stiff competition for the starting job. I would imagine Nick Foles, you know, immediately becomes the Chicago Bears starting quarterback, and Trubisky would have to take that job away from him I did not like this deal I think there were a ton of other safer options that were low risk and and more high reward including taking somebody in the draft as opposed to going out and signing Nick Foles and paying him a ton of money I I did not like this move for for Chicago Uh, if you were that uh, if you were that I guess ready to move on from Teddy Bridgewater or excuse me, not from Bridgewater, from Mitchell Trubisky. I just think there were a lot of other other avenues you could have gone that would have been much cheaper and allow you to continue to work on rounding out the team rather than, hey, we're going to bring in Nick Foles. I just, I, this one's a head scratcher for me. We're going to see how it plays out, but I, I don't love this one. Okay. When you say that there were cheaper that there were cheaper, less riskier alternatives for the Bears. Who who jumps out? I mean, a guy like Andy Dalton. It, 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 you're because you're bringing in Nick Foles. He's he's not he's probably not your long term answer. So you start looking out there, and you have a guy like Andy Dalton who's out there. I mean, why not go ahead and pick somebody in the draft 
and that's a guy that you can get in and develop in your system. Dalton is a name that jumps out for me, much cheaper, and uh, a guy that can hold that place. He's He can do the same thing that Nick Foles can, but he's going to do it a lot cheaper than what you're paying Nick Foles. I like Nick Foles from a you know, from a competitive standpoint, from a he ha- he's been there, he's done that, he has the experience. The adding that to the team is going to help. But I just I just think between the draft and guys like Andy Dalton, you could have made out much much cheaper and accomplished the same thing. I mean, I don't I don't disagree with that. But like Andy Dalton hasn't officially been cut. You would have had to have traded for him in the same way that they traded for Nick Foles. And especially when everyone in the world knows that Joe Burrow's going number one and like Andy Dalton is not going to start in Cincinnati unless something drastic or tragic happens between now and the day of the draft. Well, and that's what I mean. I mean, I know he hasn't been cut, but you, you traded a fourth rounder for Nick Foles. I can't imagine you couldn't have sent a fourth rounder to Cincinnati. Uh, and they would have they would have given you Dalton because it really seems like they're going after Joe Burrow. But, you know, maybe the fact that they haven't made that move and they haven't made that cut, maybe it's not as clear cut as we think, but it sure seems like it is to me from the outside looking in. So that's the direction I would have gone if you were Chicago and you were you were really ready to move on from Mitch Trubisky. I mean, I, I just bringing in Nick Foles on that money. It just doesn't make sense to me, but we'll we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, there's no arguing. They definitely add an experienced guy who's uh, had playoff success. And when you're Chicago and you have a defense as good as they do, Nick Foles is a good player to add. But I just I just don't love the move, especially if this is the especially if this is a win or else year for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Like I don't think right. I don't think uh, management. Has, has this edict from ownership of you have to go to the playoffs or everybody's gone. Because if this was a do this and save your job, like I don't think getting Nick Foles for that money, especially with – I know they're reworking the deal, but it's not like they're going to take – they're not going to get Nick Foles to go take like a one-year $6 million deal. Like that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, I don't know how far the restructuring is going to go. Um, if you were to look at this and say – Maybe not week one, but let's say by mid-October. Is Trubisky starting for the Bears by mid-October? No, I think it's I think it's Nick Foles. I mean, like I said, you're going to come in and commit, you know, twenty million dollars to a guy, and I and I think Nick Foles is a good player, so I think he will he will be the guy and carrying that price tag. There's that pressure to have him play. But I think, no, I think he will beat out Trubisky because I think he will be more consistent than Trubisky, which is what they're looking for with the way that defense plays. They're not asking Trubisky or anyone to come out and light the world on fire. They're asking him to make plays and you know score a few touchdowns because that Chicago defense is going to be able to do the rest. Right, so your projection is... Much earlier than mid-October, you're saying probably by like week one, he he's the starter. Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's probably gonna be about week four or five. And if they stumble out the gate and they're one and three, if like if they're one and three after the first four games, like I can see them saying, okay, we've seen enough. We're gonna put Nick out there and see what he's got. Because hey, he was the number two overall. He was, I mean, he was the number two overall pick. And when you were drafted that high. I mean, you will get seemingly unlimited chances to prove that you deserved to be the starter because when someone invests that high of draft capital into you, you're going to get shot after shot after shot. Yeah, I agree, but all, but it's there's a similar logic to what the Colts did with Philip Rivers. You're not bringing Philip Rivers in for one year, $25 million on that price tag to be Jacoby Brissett's backup. Chicago's not bringing in Nick Foles while they may be able to move his deal around a little bit, his deal, I believe, was four years, $80 million, was $20 million a year. You're not bringing in Nick Foles to be your backup quarterback for $20 million a year. So I say he's a, he's the week one starter. So let, let's segue into that. Your team, the Indianapolis Colts, have brought in Phillip Rivers for one year, $25 million. Uh, Phillip Rivers came out and said that he, was cons- he, that he considered retiring, but he, quote, 
but I know I can still play at a high level. When we talked about this uh, last month, we said if you were to ask me on that day, is Philip Rivers better than Jacoby Brissett? I'm not sure the answer to that question is yes. And even today, if I were to pick between 38-year-old Philip Rivers that we saw the last time we saw him with the Chargers and Jacoby Brissett right now, I'm not sure I wouldn't ride it out with Brissett. Yeah, I mean, that's completely fair. You know, the the move makes a lot of sense uh, from a, you know, Frank Reich, uh, Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator, those guys having worked together in San Diego uh, with Phillip Rivers. So that makes sense. Uh, I think it's interesting you have Jacoby Brissett, uh, NC State, and you're bringing in an older NC State guy in Phillip Rivers. But anyway, besides that uh, – you're re- reuniting with the coach, reuniting with the offensive coordinator and his quarterbacks coach. You're, you're, you know, Indy was, I think, the seventh best rushing defense in the NFL last year. You're going to stay run heavy. Uh, the goal is to try and get Rivers to be more efficient, uh, not be in the 20 interception area. The offensive line is much better. The running game is 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 much better than what he had in uh, with the Chargers but the wide receiving core is not. And so they're really going to have to upgrade there if they want to get the most out of Phillip Rivers. But from you know, with familiar coaches and money to spend, it makes a lot of sense. You have a valid argument in terms of who would you rather have, Brissett and Phillip Rivers. I do think even at 38 and even with some of the turnovers, I do think Rivers is a better option than Brissett. Uh, Brissett just completely fell apart down the stretch of the season. So, you know, it's an interesting one-year gap type of placeholder guy. You know, I think the Colts, they're definitely looking for that next guy. it would be interesting to see what they do in the draft. But I thought they'd go after a quarterback in this draft early on, and they ended up trading away their first-round pick for DeForest Buckner along the defensive line, which we'll get to as well. So, the move makes sense, reunite him with some coaches, but he is 38 and he is turnover prone, uh, a 20 interception guy. So that's going to be interesting to see how it works because the receiving core in Indy, much less prolific than what he had with the Chargers, but the offensive line in the running game is better than what he had with the Chargers. So I'm very curious to see how it pans out. I think, you know, Phillip Rivers, he'll come in, he'll be your starting quarterback. Brissett will be the backup and the Colts continue that process in the wake of Andrew Luck's retirement in finding that next quarterback. Yeah, because you don't bring in Phillip Rivers one year, $25 million, and say, well, we hope he's still here in 2022 when he's 40. Like, this was a one-year, let's see what we've got, let's see if we can maybe squeeze a little bit more juice out of Phillip Rivers and see – and see if he can still if he could still perform to a level that we've seen him play on those Chargers teams where it was just a lot of bad luck and bad timing and injuries and the Colts had a top 15 pick but they traded it away for DeForest Buckner which I think was a smart decision because if you were going to get a quarterback in that draft sitting at 13 you were going to miss out on you were going to miss out on Burrow Tua, Justin Herbert, like you were going to miss out on those guys. So your best opportunity would be to get like a guy like a Nick Eason or a Jordan Love. And eh, there's a lot of question marks there. So getting a proven defensive guy like DeForest Buckner, who played really well for the 49ers last year, and they just ran into a situation where they just couldn't pay everybody, especially after they gave the extension to Armstead. This is one of those rare situations of, yes, the Colts traded away a first-round pick, but it just kind of works out for both sides. Yeah, no, I really like the Buckner deal because you give away the 13th pick, but it's one of those things where DeForest Buckner, the playing the player that you're getting, uh, is probably you know going to make a much more immediate impact than what you would be drafting at 13. The 49ers made out well because they, as you mentioned, couldn't afford Buckner beyond probably you know this season uh and so they you know and they're short on some of those draft picks right in the middle so they add a first rounder and they don't have to pay buckner they were able to re-sign armstead for the colts it works you know they were massively short on interior defensive linemen uh playing that four three defensively like the colts do and so you add a guy like DeForest Buckner, one of the top defensive linemen in the league, 
uh, behind, you know, Aaron Donald and those guys. I believe he'll be the second highest paid uh, defensive tackle behind Aaron Donald. But I think it's a great move because with that 13th pick, you were not probably drafting a guy that's going to make an immediate impact like Buckner. You have the salary cap space to pay him, to lock him up. $21 million is a lot of money for a defensive lineman, and he needs to have uh, Aaron Donald-type seasons uh, to live up to that $21 million billing. But I think he's going to do so, and I think it was a good move, uh, a move that we see really benefited both sides, the Colts and the 49ers. Uh, there is a stat. They, they did a stats piece where they looked at all of the Colts' interior defensive linemen put together in DeForest Buckner's last season. The Colts' interior defensive linemen on their own, that's Danico Autry, Marcus Hunt, Grover Stewart, had six and a half sacks. DeForest Buckner had seven and a half by himself. Uh, <laughs> Stewart, Autry, and Hunt had nine tackles for loss. Buckner had nine. Uh, the... DeForest Buckner had four fumble recoveries. The Colts' interior defensive line had zero. And then he did it in 824 snaps, while Stewart, Autry, and Hunt had 1,719. So he is going to help that defensive line, and it opens up a, a wealth of possibilities for guys like Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker. Uh, this is a team that the defense was never the issue for the Indianapolis Colts defense was never their problem. Like they can play defense just as well as anybody else. It was just the offense just couldn't just couldn't match them. And it would and having Philip Rivers, yes, he's 38 years old and from what we saw from towards the end of the Chargers, it was an old 38. Uh if, you know, I think you know, I think Indianapolis could make some noise next year. Are they going to win the AFC South? Probably not. But now that we've extended the playoff field, I don't see why they couldn't fight for a six or a seven seed. Yeah, they'll be in. I think they'll be in the mix for that. You know, you mentioned kind of squeezing the last out of Philip Rivers. I do like the move from the respect that if you if that's your goal, you know, you think he can play well for this year, and you kind of use the last of, of what he's got in the tank, bringing him back into the system with Frank Reich uh, uh, and his former offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Nick Sirianni in in Indianapolis, those would be the guys to do it. So I do like that move. You know, you, you want to continue to get better defensively. Defense is, uh, a, very, is a, a strong point for the Colts right now. And so you add Buckner to that mix. So they've made some moves that, that, are, that are solid that I like if you're the Colts, but you've got to address, you know, finding somebody else uh, in addition to T.Y. Hilton out wide. They can help you from a wide receiver standpoint. I think that's that's got to be next on uh, Indy's list. But on the flip side of the of things, the teams that lost Philip Rivers, the LA Chargers, what do they do now? It it, it looks like they're content. Uh, all signs have pointed to they're content with just like riding it out with Tyrod Taylor, or maybe trying to do something in the draft because they've got a top ten pick. Uh, you know, we don't have any obvious landing spots for Jameis Winston or for a Jameis Winston or an Andy Dalton or a Cam Newton, because all of the options that they could go to, save for maybe New England, because we don't know what New England's going to do, like those landing spots dried up pretty quick. So if you're the LA Chargers, do you just ride it out? Okay, so you're so here are your options. You have three options. You can either a just draft a guy, just draft a guy with your with your pick, because you've got like you're picking I believe sixth or seventh in the draft, so you just take a guy in the top ten. B Write it out with Tyrod Taylor and see what happens. Or C, make a play for Newton, Dalton. You know, make a play for Newton, Dalton, Winston, or whoever's available. I would be I would be leaning towards uh, going with Taylor and trying to grab like a Justin Herbert at six in the draft. For me, that would be the route I go uh, if I were the Chargers. You know, I think I think Taylor can be successful uh, with you know San Diego or excuse me LA. I still call him San Diego. I, I uh, do. LA, I do it too. The LA Chargers they have a lot of weapons uh, offensively with Allen and Eckler. Uh, defensively, you know they're they're pretty solid with a, a lot of uh, a lot of athlete, athletes at all levels. Ingram Bosa. So, you know. For me, it would be Taylor and draft a guy because I think Taylor can be successful. He's a a, a, a proven uh, NFL player and a guy that I think would be able to help 
uh, like a Herbert or someone that you'd be able to draft. So that's who that's where I would go because he's there. He's already there. So you ride it out with him. You draft somebody at six. You know whether you move up or not. That you know whatever there. But I think it's Taylor and the draft as opposed to trying to go get somebody like Cam Newton with some some unknown, some uncertainty coming off of that injury. Uh, any of the other options that would be out there after all of these other dominoes have fallen, I would rather just go Tyrod Taylor and look to the draft and pick your next guy at six. Okay, well, here's what I would do, and I don't think this is what Anthony Lynn or the Chargers would do, is I would like roll with Tyrod Taylor and cross my fingers that I win the Justin and win the Trevor Lawrence Justin Field sweepstakes. <laughs> cross my fingers that I get Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Because outside of that, I mean, who else is, like, everyone's kind of set where they are at quarterback. Um, we don't really know, like, outside, unless New England just completely craters. Which so, you wouldn't, so you wouldn't draft someone at six? You wouldn't draft a quarterback at six anyway? Um, if, 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 if it was me, if I'm Tom Telesco running the L.A. Chargers... And I look at, I could either get Justin Herbert, who there are some question marks around Justin Herbert about. Yep, that's fair. Either, like, we don't know what he's going to look like. Or I can roll with Tyrod Taylor and get the guy that everyone said two years ago, this guy is going to be the number one overall pick. And Trevor Lawrence is incredible. If I had to pick between dra- drafting Justin Herbert and crossing my fingers and hoping I get Lawrence, I'm going to go with Lawrence. Is it a bad, de- is it a bad decision? I mean, probably. I mean, the, the 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 Miami Dolphins last year, everyone just said, "Oh, of course the Miami Dolphins are going to go like one and fifteen, like two and fourteen, and they're going to get Tua." And lo and behold, they're sitting at number five. They're probably going to get Tua anyway, so it worked out for them. You know, but that that's just me, and that's probably why I'll never be an NFL executive. <laughs> well, I just I I happen to like Herbert, so for me that is. I would try to go that route and 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 keep Tyrod Taylor, uh, but you, you know maybe that's maybe that's the case. I, you know I think Taylor with what the Chargers have. I mean they're a five win team last year, but there's still some talent there. I mean I know that Taylor is not going to blow the doors off. Uh, you know blow the doors off you, but you know it's there is some value in having him there and the fact that he is you know in that system. So. You know that's what I would do, but again, you know I'm not a I'm not a GM either. So you you would play the you would play the the tank for Trevor sweepstakes. And my argument is Tyrod Taylor might be able to win you those same four or five games. And I don't think the I think if you win four or five games, you won't get the number one overall pick anyway. So you wouldn't get Trevor Lawrence. Well, even if I even if I go that route, um, I'm I'm going to a new stadium nobody talks about the Chargers. We were playing at the StubHub Center where the LA Galaxy play. Nobody was going to the games. Like, the Packers game last year, all reports were saying the fans were 70-30 Packers fans. If I get Trevor Lawrence, who has who is one of the best and most talked-about college football prospects, people are going to want to go to an LA Chargers game to watch Trevor Lawrence. Like, that was the entire reason why people said, oh, well, it makes sense for Tom Brady because, well, they got to put butts in the seats. People are going to go watch Tom Brady. Right. You know, I think that if I get Trevor Lawrence in 2021, people are going to go and see one of the most dominant college football quarterbacks ever. Like, I mean, I'd buy a ticket to watch Trevor Lawrence if if he was with the Chargers. Yeah, I just, I don't know if he moves the needle that much in L.A. I think the only guy that would is Tom Brady, so you were unable to get that done. So I think the the Chargers have some tough sledding ahead of them anyway because I think Tom Brady was really one of the only ones that could fix that problem uh, in terms of you know the, the splash of Tom Brady at quarterback heading into the new stadium. So it, we'll see how it plays out. You know, to their, It looks like they, they had the plan of moving on from Rivers and sticking with Tyrod Taylor. We'll see what number six uh, does in the draft for the Chargers, whether they – try to go after one of these quarterbacks or they just sit tight with uh, Tyrod Taylor, go a different direction. And perhaps as you said, look to next year's class, especially when next year's class has Trevor Lawrence and then Justin Fields, who if either of those guys were coming out this year, they would easily be either 
they would easily be like, oh, yeah. the, they, they wouldn't be past Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow is a once in a lifetime guy. And what he did last year was just so eye popping that you can't justify taking anybody over him. But if people were looking at, oh, I could have either Fields, Lawrence or Tua, they'll probably, Tua would probably be third in that equation. Especially oh, given, I- especially given his hip, but we don't really know how that, how that's going to go. But let's, let's look at the more, the least, the move that made the most sense if you think about it, but also it really kind of cripples the team when you think about it just from like a dead cap situation. Todd Gurley is 25 years old. He went from offensive player of the year, highest paid running back in the league to getting cut and taking a one-year deal with the Atlanta Falcons. What went wrong? How did Tom Brady go? Oh, Tom Brady. How did Todd Gurley go from best offensive player of the year to taking a one year deal with the Falcons in two years? That's a good question. I mean, the 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 knee problems that he's had, I think, are a, a major issue, especially for a guy that's a running back. But yeah, I mean, you have you had him go from offensive player of the year to to now you know having to take five million dollars for a season. Uh, and latch on with the Falcons. It's 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 kind of crazy when you think about it how quickly he has fallen. But yeah, the Falcons uh, trying to save some cap space. They get out from under Devontae Freeman, and then they go get Todd Gurley. I mean, I don't know how much of an upgrade, if at all, that is. I mean, Todd Gurley is you know a, a very talented guy, and if he's healthy, uh, he's obviously a, a fantastic player. Uh, the former highest paid, you know, running back in the NFL. But it's interesting when you go for a guy that you move on from Freeman, yes, for the money perspective, but then bring turning around and bringing in Todd Gurley with some of the injury history that he has, that one, even though it's only $5 million, I was kind of scratching my head a little bit. And it's not just Todd Gurley. The, the LA Rams have made Brandon Cooks available via trade although given like given his money and how much he's going to be worth it's going to be hard for hard to move off of him Jalen Ramsey is going to be a free agent after this year and they gave up a lot to get him so he's got a lot of leverage the Rams don't have a first round pick until 2022 the you know the the Rams were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago and they're losing a lot of important guys Corey Littleton starting linebacker he's gone Dante Fowler's gone uh, Dante, Fow- Dante Fowler's gone. Eric Weddle retired. Michael Brockers on that defensive line. He's gone. Akeem Talib is gone. Uh, Nikel Roby Coleman is gone. This is a Rams team that is going to look a lot different. And you wonder if this is, this is what happens when you go all in and it doesn't work is that these things tend to go badly and they go badly in a hurry. Yeah, the front office is definitely going to earn its money over the next couple of years because you mentioned it. Uh, very, very thin on, on picks high in the draft in the first few rounds. Uh, very thin on cap space, which is why they're trying to get rid of a lot of these guys. It's going to be an interesting balancing act, and, and this, you know, this is kind of what happens when you get you know you've you've got everybody you make all these big moves bringing in Ramsey you know you've paying you're paying your quarterback Goff got paid now all of a sudden every you know everything has to hit well and it came together for a couple of years they went to a super bowl and now on the backside of it here things are seemingly falling apart quickly as you mentioned Brockers Littleton those guys gone defensively uh, they let Matthews go Gurley's now out the door trying to shop cooks to get him out the door. Ramsey could be gone next year. This team is going to look absurdly different than it has the past couple of years. And those front office guys are really going to earn their paychecks now because they've got to do some serious maneuvering and really find some guys in the draft and free agency, low cost value guys that can perform for the Rams. Remember last time we talked about when they made the Jalen Ramsey deal, we talked about how this team, in if they're not careful, they could become the Brooklyn Nets of the NFL. Like when the Brooklyn Nets made that huge deal for KG and Paul Pierce, they left and they were a wasteland for about like four or five years. <laughs> right. Like, I don't think it's going to get that bad, but signs are not looking good if you are a fan of the LA Rams. Things are not looking good. No, I don't... It, 
it may not get that bad, but it might get pretty close because there's a lot of talent that's uh, head, that's already out the door and that, uh, that you're going to have to replace and is tough to find. So maybe it doesn't get Brooklyn Nets bad, but it might get close for the Rams here over the next couple of years. All right. Uh, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up. We covered most of we covered most of the the things that went on in free agency. Uh, there are a few notable names that are still available. Jadavion Clowney is still available. Robbie Anderson is still available. Uh, are you surprised that Jadavion Clowney, like uh, sitting here March twenty second, is still available? Are you surprised he hasn't been scooped up? No, I'm not surprised. Only because of the 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 twenty. I think it's the twenty million dollars that he wants to be paid. I think talent-wise, he's a fantastic player. But I think if you look, Evan, and we look at a lot of the deals that have been made, there's a lot of teams, especially you know contenders and things, that don't have that $20 million a year or whatever the number would ultimately be. It's going to be pretty high from what Clowney has indicated that he wants. You just don't have a ton of people that have those, have that, have that space available. And, you know, I can't imagine that, you know, Clowney would be, you know, really, really excited to go to a, a Washington Redskins or a something like that. So it, it's not surprising for me because I think the money that he wants is making a lot of teams go, you know, we just don't have that to pay Clowney and bring him into our team at this point. So it's not for me, it's not surprising because I, it seems like he wants to, to really get paid. I think there's a lot of teams that just from the moves that have already been made are, you know, kind of done with a lot of those major ads. And now they'll work on, you know, those, those mid tier guys, those, those guys late in the draft that they want to add and bring in. So it's not surprising for me. Uh, I think he, you know, he may continue to sit out there uh, a, a decent while longer. Especially when the market that he was hoping for didn't really materialize. Uh, Cause he was looking for, he was looking for that, you know, twenty million. Uh, the I think the reports were like he was getting somewhere in, like the fourteen fifteen range. Uh, so if if you were to look at this and say, what's the more likely outcome of he just goes back to Seattle or he goes somewhere else? Uh, I would say the outcome is he goes somewhere else. Uh, I think he, I think Clowney ends up uh, on a different roster. Where I don't know, but it just seems like he is. He's uh, he's done there in Seattle. I'm going to lean towards he goes back to Seattle because if he's looking because if his goal is to go with a team that wants to that is going to be in contention every year, uh, you're not going to have a lot of places that are right. better than Seattle for your goal to do that. Because if the goal is I want to be somewhere that's in contention every year, Seattle is one of the places that is really one of the best places that you can go if you want to stay in contention every year. Oh, for sure. Well, and that's gonna that's gonna do it for us uh, on the from the booth podcast. Uh, with everything being shut down, not just in the sports world, but really the world at large, uh, we have no idea when the next time we're gonna meet is. <laughs> the next major decision that happens in sports, the next major thing, uh, that'll probably be what we jump on because there's just not a not a not a ton right now. Uh, we had, you know, we had NFL free agency, and there's a ton of that going on, which uh, some people were thought it might get pushed back. And if that was the case, we'd really be at a loss. But we had a ton happen with free agency, so we had a pod there, and we'll just kind of, I guess, play it by ear as we keep moving forward. Yeah, um, the most likely times for us to be back are when something, if something earth-shattering happens between now and the NFL draft, or just the NFL draft. Because <laughs> right. like because the NFL draft is still gonna go on, but it sounds like they're just gonna do it in like an empty like digital studio, kind of where Roger Goodell is gonna be an empty studio announcing the picks. Because it sounds like they're moving from Las Vegas, uh, so the draft is not going to happen as it's originally scheduled. So the next time you'll see us is either going to be the next time something earth shattering happens that we have to do sort of an emergency pod to talk about it, or the NFL draft because I don't really see anything else coming down the pike that that we can that we can spend some time talking about yeah i'm I'm right there with you 
Well, that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you to Cody Clark for being the co-host. Thank you to Tony Huynh for the podcast artwork. And thank you to all of you that that continue to subscribe and check out the show. And, you know, hopefully we'll give you something to, to think about and to talk about while uh, most of us are stuck in our houses during quarantine and uh, how daily life has been disrupted with uh, COVID-19. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say before we go? No, absolutely not. Just keep social distancing, stay away from people, uh, keep washing your hands, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll uh, we'll get out of this thing soon. Yes, that's very important. Wash your hands. If nothing else, just remember to wash your hands. So for Cody Clark, I'm Evan Eichen saying so long, and we'll see you next time.